Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen, an international menopause expert, author, and speaker. I help women go from feeling uncertain, uncomfortable, and struggling to experiencing a new sense of confidence, freedom, and vitality. My own story mirrors that of thousands of women that I have connected with through writing my book, speaking engagements, and coaching. Like you, I felt unprepared, unsupported, and at times dismissed by family, employers, and even doctors. That's why I created this podcast as a place of advocacy, offering facts, resources, and a community where you can become more empowered to take control of your menopause journey. Join us each week as we dive into honest, open, raw conversations on the topics that matter deeply to menopausal midlife women. From our changing bodies to our relationships, to dealing with menopause and aging at work and in society. My mission is to help you to tap into our collective wisdom so you can emerge more powerful, wiser, not just older, thriving and ready to embrace wholeheartedly the next chapter in your life. Welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. And today we're going to be talking about how menopause is unfolding in a country where maybe there hasn't been as much conversation until recently and touching on many issues of menopause coming out in the world, breaking shame and silence. And so today I have a special guest, Breda Birmingham. She's a menopause coach and she's formerly worked in women's health as a midwife. Welcome to the show, Breda. Thank you, Clarissa. Yeah, it's really good to have you here because as I was saying just now to the listeners, you are the first person I've had come through from Ireland to talk about menopause, even though I know your conversation, your country has been sort of bubbling along for a while, hasn't it? Yes, we, we're following on from the explosion, is what I would call, what has been happening in the UK over the last two years. And in May this year, we got a fantastic boost from a daily broadcaster on live radio here. And he allowed women to speak on menopause for eight consecutive days. It was very powerful. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, that's, if you think about that, that is incredible. Even in you look at where the UK has been with the Channel 4 documentary, and I know in Sweden we had a few television series, but eight consecutive days is a big piece for women to share their stories, isn't it? Yes, it, it was remarkable. And there's great credit due to Joe Duffy, was the producer and the it was his show, let's say, Live Line, that enabled women to, to speak and talk about the experience and as a result of the coverage the government have responded here and they've committed to rolling out a national awareness and education campaign which will be very significant when it does go ahead and we will be the first country in the world actually to run such a campaign. That's fantastic. And really, it starts with women like yourself, doesn't it? But also other women having the courage. And whoever Joe Duffy is, I'm absolutely applauding him. And the fact that it's a man as well is even better because we're all in this together, aren't we? Yes, yes. There's fantastic credit to him to have allowed it continue for so long. But it was like an, 
an unearthing or an uncovering of a subject like menopause, which has been hidden and has been covered up in societies all over the world, not just in Ireland, for decades and decades. So there was a kind of an uncovering and an unearthing. And that's what's going on, I, I believe, around the world. Women are starting to speak up for the first time in history about this time in our lives. Absolutely. And maybe I'll just ask you, what kind of things really came up strongly in this eight day of unfolding? A lot around the isolation women felt and the fact that there there was no conversation. There was no public access to help and assistance. There was massive shame and stigma and silence. They were the themes that were coming up and huge fear amongst women around this time in our lives and a lot of anger as the week progressed that you know we have remained silent and the fact that it hasn't been a, com- a normal conversation in society and it needs to be that that came out of it you know and, and it's it's us women that are going to change the narratives yes i agree and i mean you're that's so interesting isn't it? how it sort of starts with talking about that you're just talking about it but actually as the conversation as you said unfolded it's actually the anger we feel or maybe as well disappointment and a whole load of other strong emotions that we now have a chance to express and change yes and looking at menopause like it's a taboo subject and it's probably one of the last great taboos in women's healthcare. that's what i've discovered in my own research but how do you break a taboo it's talking, it's opening conversations. They're the first steps. And for women to, again, it's about courage and having the confidence to say, you know, I'm here, I'm in menopause. And what I've discovered researching and having become nearly a menopause detective, there's actually no shame in us reaching this time in our lives. There's no need to be afraid of it. There's no actual need for stigma around this time in life because the truth is we're actually entering a very powerful period in our lives as we move through our menopausal years and there's a lot of research to back this up that but the problem has been what i've discovered is that the crisis loss narrative has overshadowed the the, the positives of this time in life and the public discourse for too long has been about the crisis and that's what has kept us silent. Yes, I, and I think and you talk about your research because I know that you've actually gone and done a master's and researched quite deeply into menopause, haven't you? Yes, in the past year I interviewed 20 women here in Ireland on their experiences and understanding of menopause and what I discovered initially is that Silence is the real enemy here. The fact that we're, we continue to stay quiet and we continue to decide, and it is a choice now, we have to remember, we're educated women. So if we choose to continue to remain silent around this time in life, nothing is going to change. But what I've discovered, and I set up these midlife women rock cafes here in Waterford where I live, and I, I got women to start coming together and opening conversations around menopause. And it's been transformative. The women, the feedback has been amazing. It's education is key. Women understanding menopause, but also understanding themselves at this time in life 
and having a safe space to express, you know, what's going on, how they're feeling emotionally, psychologically and physically. And, you know, opening that conversation, looking at, at changing mindsets as well around menopause, because for too long, it's the negative is winning. So we need to shift that mindset because so many women tell me they've never heard one positive word around menopause and language is hugely important when we're trying to shift taboos. Oh, yes. And and I think you're so right when you said this is one of the very last taboos. I think if we look over the last few years at, at the shift that has been made in areas like breast cancer, I mean, you know, as a woman now in her 60s, I remember when we didn't talk about that, you kind of whispered the C word. And in a sense, that has come out. And now we are beginning to talk about menopause, as you say. But if we stay silent, it's very damaging for women, isn't it? Oh, yes. I mean, the repercussions and the consequences to date on remaining silent are, you know, they're amazing. I mean, I look at the area of mental health. Now, the statistics here in Ireland and in the UK point to the highest rates of mental health for women and girls are between the ages of 45 and 55. And suicide rates, and again, these are Irish and UK stats, suicide rates for women and girls are highest at the age of 51. And that big, those statistics are coming from the Central Statistics Office here in Ireland, which have coverage from 2001 to 2018. And they were stats that I saw. But just the, you know, the consequences, let's say that alone, mental health, you know, the, the impact on, on our mental health has been quite traumatic. And I suppose that's one of the big motivators that has brought me into this space because I arrived here from a psychology degree that I completed in 2018, whereby I was researching midlife women. And I discovered that while menopause is a huge part of this, because like menopause can last from anything from two to 10 years, the actual transition, because it's the reversal of puberty. That's the way I see it. You know, it's, it's, it's a reversal. But it's the education part, opening the conversations and then getting the support, be it lifestyle changes, understanding lifestyle changes, alternative therapies, hormone replacement therapy. You know, it's the empowerment piece around knowing what will will, will help me as I move through these years. Absolutely. And you mentioned those statistics. And I would be saying to our listeners, those statistics are the same if we're talking in Australia, they're the same here in Sweden. There's huge increase of women reporting high levels of anxiety, stress, burnout, leaving their careers, leaving the workforce. And yet, until recently, I don't think we've put that to the fact that women are going through this perimenopausal change. And I've had, as I'm one of my roles is that I work alongside a team of psychologists and psychotherapists as, a, as their mindfulness practitioner. And I kept seeing that these women, and they said, oh, they've got generalized anxiety disorder. And I went to the guys, no, they haven't. They're going through perimenopause. And one of the symptoms is anxiety, which can lead to other mental health issues. And I think it's only now that we're beginning, as you said, to put two and two together and see what the real picture is. Yes. And I, I mean, with the women that I, I, I work with here, the relief when they hear that it's actually perimenopause, it's a transition, it's temporary, it's not something that you're going to have to live with for the rest of your life. That, that 
massively helps to reduce the anxiety I have found in working with women. This understanding piece that, you know, I'm not going mad. I don't have dementia. It's not early Alzheimer's. But we haven't been joining the dots up until until the last year, you know, year or two. That's how the dots are starting. We've just started as as a kind of a public discourse piece in societies for, for us women in our midlife years. Absolutely. And I think you touched there, Brid, on something really important, that there's a kind of a sense of relief that, oh, so I'm not crazy. There's not something, you know, wrong. I'm not broken and faulty. I can be working through this with the right support, as we say, rather than thinking that we've become ill on many different levels and that there is, you know, no nowhere to turn. And you mentioned fear as being one of the things women shared in, in the eight-day conversation. Yes, and if I look at, let's say, the narratives that came Again, that just on my own research and from working with women over the last two years, fear, shame, denial, they were really, really, you know, they really spoke to me. There were themes that were recurring constantly. So the fear, nobody wants to be menopausal. And the reason they do not want to be menopausal is the, the old story, as I call it, because I'm now actually writing a book on, and I'm trying to kind of shift, shift the dial a little bit over to women understanding that, you know, there's no need to be afraid of becoming menopausal, that there are actually quite a number of positives to entering this transition stage in our in our lives. But massive fear, fear that, you know, our best years are behind us, fear that, you know, my, my value in society has started to decline. And they are real fears because Clarissa, says, you know, they are... In society and culturally, that's how menopausal women have been depicted. Yes, and are still depicted, to be fair, if we were to pull up uh, our friend Google right now and, and, and look at a load of images, they would be far from positive about menopause and menopausal women. All you see is women looking in crisis and looking as if they were about 75, 80, not women who are in their 40s and 50s. Yes, if you, again, just going back to that, that point, I mean, today we have to look at life expectancy. You know, life expectancy is elongating all of the time. So if you're a woman today and you reach menopause, let's say at 50, and you're in good health, your chances, you know, of living until you're 90 are very, very high today. So we have a lot of living, you know, post-menopause to do. So, I mean, we can continue and stay silent and accept these depiction of menopausal women, or we can decide maybe, you know, the time has come for us to speak up and, you know, change that image because it is changing. Now, I completely agree with you when you Google menopause, it's massively negative. And it's the systems and structures that have existed in society for decades and decades that have allowed these to continue. But when I watch and I observe what's going on in the UK, and we've started here now in Ireland, it's not until women, everyday women, and that's where, where the big push in the UK that that's, are, are speaking up and they're saying, hang on, you know, this has to stop. And like 80% of us have symptoms, but 20 to 25% of us are going to be quite severely impacted by the menopausal transition. And for the rest of us to help and assist that 25%, we need to speak up and say, look, we need to start talking. We need to 
normalize and bring this conversation into not only our everyday lives, but also into the public arena. And that's what we're in Ireland we're delighted that the politicians are starting to become interested. Yes, and I and I really like your your reframing of that. That it's the that in all of us speaking up, we're helping those who are most severely affected. Because as you're right, I mean there is a small percentage of women who are not affected or not affected enough that they notice. There's a huge batch of us in the middle who have variety, and then there is this twenty twenty five percent who are really really suffering, and some of them are these women who can end up feeling like they want to take their own lives or feeling really left and isolated. And I like the way you really reframed that as by all of us, we help the most vulnerable in this space. Thank you. And what I have found is from you know conversations, let's say we're sitting with groups of women, the, the, the big silencer is when women say, oh, look, you know, you know, menopause is, I don't understand why people want to talk about menopause and I mean that's fine but I know I, I've seen the statistics I know that there are women out there who are suffering terribly at this time but again you see how are they going to be helped it's it's the rest of us so it's like about collaboration it's like a, the sisterhood women helping each other and bringing this conversation into a space whereby this is where I, I feel we need to go and become so comfortable talking about menopause that it's just like the way we speak about pregnancy, childbirth, that we need to move to that space. And it's like having conversations like this, talking about it, advocating, using social media, that this is how we're going to change the taboo. Yes, we are definitely. And we don't change it if you're right. Some women sit in and go, well, I'm fine, because that doesn't help anybody and and some of that saying i'm fine is also possibly some denial i i would suspect that we don't want to talk about it but we have to recognize that we have to change because as you said our life expectancy is long i mean you know i come from a family where lots of people live to be 90 and i've got two relatives that live to be over 100 well that would have been half of my life as a non as a postmenopausal woman and i think Every woman deserves the next 30 to 50 years to be amazing, not a slow decline of in invisibility. Yes, and that theme of invisibility, I mean, you know, that has come up so much, um, not only in the academic literature, but also in public discourse. And the invisibility, I think that's where I see a lot of journalists are kind of, they're afraid also to move into this menopause space because. The, the themes again around that invisibility, the downhill degeneration, um, degenerative disease. I mean, they all need to be tackled because they're not serving women's best interests. And I suppose that's where I'm coming from. It's a women-centric approach that I take in, in my own work. And in the book that I'm writing as well, I'm coming from women into this a woman's uh, perspective, into a space that has formerly being populated by male doctors and professors, let's say, writing for other male doctors and professors. Very little to date has been written by women for other women. And I think this may help to, again, move the dial when it comes to this time in our lives. I agree. But I actually can challenge that. I think actually some female doctors have played into that male approach too, and dismissed women and not tied 
tied it to menopause or not wanted to go there. And I think it's only now that women are at various levels, not just in the medical profession, but as people like ourselves who are aligned to it in various ways are now speaking up and women speaking for women. But I do think that a lot of female doctors, and I heard that from somebody in the brain health world saying, well, you know, there are plenty of my female colleagues who've dismissed women as it's all in your head and sent them away, which is terrifying. (laughs) Oh, yes. I think, you see, you look at the bigger picture, let's say culturally and societally, women, and I look at what's just starting to emerge, let's say, there are two books that were published, let's say, one in 2019, Invisible Women, Caroline Creedo Perez's magnificent book, and Unwell Women, which has just been published, which is a big game changer in medicine uh, by Eleanor Clayhorn, I think is the, 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 the author. And she looks back at the, the history of medicine and women's health and how the privilege has been given to male when it comes to research, let's say, and it comes to funding. And it's quite interesting how women were in some ways because we're hormonal, and it's our hormonal system, I guess, does differentiate us from men, the hormones were causing problems in the research world. So a lot of early research going back, let's say, 30, 40 years, focused on males. And in particular, let's say, if we take the area of antidepressant prescribing and, and all the research done, a lot of it was done on men and on male animals and women and their our hormonal makeup. And again, our, I mean, our emotional makeup is, is different to, to men. So it's interesting what's happening at the moment. And, and all these the, the books are, are coming out at a very opportune time for menopause and women, I feel. And first, I suppose what I wanted to say when it comes to the positive, that the, the reason we need to shift and we need to get the support that women who need the support um, to become widely available is my firm belief is that, you know, we're talking about leadership potential of women in the world. And my belief is that the leadership potential is going to come from women in their 50s and 60s, you know, going forward. And I've already seen the, the green shoots of this happening globally. There's life experience, there's work experience, the women have had their children. So this whole new phase of life is opening up and what, what women need is to be supported in there, you know, a post-menopause to tap into this inner power and uh, access to deep creative, deep creativity. I agree. I love that also because that is really giving, I think, younger women more hope. We're seeing, and particularly women who are in perimenopause, when I think that's that's when we need the support. We can be very vulnerable, aren't we, Breda, at that time of our lives. We're vulnerable that's when we can feel we should be dropping out of the workforce and stepping away. But when we see these postmenopausal women and how successful they're being and how much they are able to give and give to to corporate world, to give to our world and bring our wisdom, that I feel is, and that being highlighted is giving, I think, a lot of impetus to women who are in 40 early 50s and thinking oh my god I can't go on or feeling they're being pushed into invisibility to keep going. uh, You have the essence of it there when women realize when you're in perimenopause you you synopsize that beautifully that you know it's temporary find the support reach out you know you're not alone 
and re- realize that you know it's like an arc or a bridge you, you have to cross through and that radical self-care piece is huge and giving ourselves that space and perimenopause to really really look after ourselves because and we women we look after everybody else when we get to mer- perimenopause we really have to start you know, looking after ourselves. And that's when the gifts then start to, you know, emerge. And Margaret Mead, the anthropologist, she speaks about um, menopausal zest and again, the power of the postmenopausal woman. She definitely does. And she did that a very long time ago as well. If you think about she is she's not uh, alive with us today, but I think she would be applauding when she sees what is going on and that this PMZ that she called it is taking hold and we are seeing it out there in our world, not women keeping that to themselves maybe. And I think sometimes feeling it but felt repressed and couldn't express it but now we can express it in so many ways out in the world breeder don't we know you know and i think that it's being led by corporate women but of course not all of us are going to you know become vice president of america or whatever but in our own way we can find and harness that zest that energy that come and that wisdom as we get into postmenopause. yes again completely agree clarissa the essence in, in the understanding, you know, it's like it's a reinvention or it's like a reset and it's about opportunities, second chances. These are the words that I often use with women and they look at me and they say, but we've never heard of this before. Is this possible? Is that available to us? And as you mentioned, I mean, Margaret Mead, that was a very, very long time ago. And when I look back again, again, when I was researching and I looked at people like Jermaine Greer, Gail Sheedy, that they wrote books there in the 80s, 90s. But for some reason, you know, we, the bigger, this picture was, it wasn't picked up upon. It was still the negativity, the shame, the silence. That still, you know, was pervasive. So it's how to shift from all that negative over to women understanding that, you know, with, with support, you can actually enter one of the most kind of powerful periods of your, your life. And the only way this is going to change, Clarissa, is for us women, ordinary women, using our voice and our agency in order to bring along other women. And I think that's how societal change and cultural change happens. Yes. And that we push back on stereotypes that are put out there that are wrong. And I mean, although it's not menopause, I mean, wasn't there something recently about some young men who developed some tampon or or something like that. And it was just so wrong. And lots of women really pushed back and they had to withdraw, you know. And I think when women do push back against things that misrepresent us, and that's that's beginning to happen, we are really shifting that narrative. But you're right, it's when we speak out and we go, no, that's not, I don't want to be represented like that. Or this brand doesn't represent me or this image doesn't represent me and that's why I love the work of someone like Angela from behind the woman who's got this campaign of showing women strong and powerful in our menopause and beyond sporty active to change that conversation and push back about some of the appalling things we see in the press that make us look like we're about a hundred when we're not. Yes, and, and popular culture uh, images of menopausal women have been so derogatory 
for years and years, and that's adding again to the fear and the shame and the denial. So how do you shift, how do you actually shift, you know, popular culture's depictions? It's like the four from Sex and the City. Somebody sent me a, a photograph. These are all, I think they're 55, 56 now. And these women are still, you know, they've still got it. They're still out there. They're not going to be kind of shunned and, and silenced. And, you know, I, I guess we need more and more role models in, in menopause, I think, that are out there in society and not ashamed to say, hey, I actually, you know, I've reached menopause, I'm here, and, you know, to change it. Right. Yes, and, and to be depicted as real women, because I think it's easy to show, to be a celebrity, and I think they do lead a lot of the way popular culture evolves, but quite often they have access to resources that you and I don't, you know, like health coaches and personal trainers and all and beauty treatments, which good for them. Well done them. But I think we need also a lot of depiction of ordinary everyday women looking fantastic and doing an amazing job at living well in menopause and beyond. And that inspires us because we can relate to those women too. Yes, and so many women I have met, Clarissa, that are, you know, they're, they're moving through, let's say they're moving through, and then they're looking at, like, the meaning around our, our middle years, which is very significant as well. Contribution and, like, giving back more to society. That's a theme that came out of my own research as well, the fulfillment piece that, that women are searching for. And that, again, can be tapped into as we're moving through that transition uh, from perimenopause, menopause into postmenopause. And that's very positive, Breeder, isn't it? That is something that we can find a different sense of fulfillment because sometimes purpose isn't all about, you know, the big stuff. It's also about that serving, that giving back, that using our experience, isn't it? Yes, um, very true. And again, that, that piece, it's like the, the links and the, the puzzle are, I just found, again, having spent the last three years working in the space and researching the space, like there are four dimensions to it. I think there's the physical and here hormone replacement therapy, which is a lot safer than what's available today. Is it a lot safer than maybe past formulations? But that is out there for women who have, you know, really extreme symptoms. And that's the the physical side of it. There's the psychological, emotional side. There are counsellors, there are coaches, there are CBT specialists, mindfulness. There's so much available to us. Again, if we reach out and we we look for it. And then there's the spiritual side. So there are the four dimensions that we tap into, or we, we can tap into as we're moving through these years. And they're the keys that will help us to thrive, let's say, in the next chapter of our lives. So it's certainly not downhill. And I like the way you've put that into those key key boxes because I think that helps women to see that it is, I don't know what you think, but a holistic approach. It's not HRT or nothing else or a struggle and nothing else. It, it's this ability to create a full approach to help us move forward. And it's the empowerment, I guess, it's that empowerment piece which can only come with information and education so that women can, I mean, they, you know, having worked with women for years as a midwife and, and a, a public health nurse, 
women have this massive innate ability to choose what is right for us. Uh, that's my own experience of women. But the problem to date here in Ireland has been we haven't had the information publicly available. So it's quite hard to understand what, what should I do, where should I go, if you don't have the information like we do around pregnancy um, easily accessible. I agree. And, and I think that's something that is changing. I think there is more information coming. But as you say, that is not just down to women alone, but also to, as allude to, a government's medical profession and a few inspired people like ourselves who are here talking on podcasts and working with women and writing books. But the information has to become available and women have to know where to find it too. Yes, because Google, I know when I started this working in the cafes I set up initially, the confusion and the, the conflicting information online was leading to a lot of uneasiness and adding to fear. So it's, you know, reliable sources are, are very important. I agree. If you were to summarise some of the key steps that you think women can take themselves to gain this empowerment and shift their mindset, where would they begin? Where would a woman begin? I think firstly is to begin with reaching out and, and, and opening the conversation or asking those around you, like sister, older sisters, maybe friends, mothers, aunts. And then maybe if you're feeling, you know, if you're, you've hit 40, I think it's a conversation that GPs will have to consider maybe introducing into health checks, you know, opening the conversation around perimenopause or providing women with maybe a, a leaflet on perimenopausal symptoms and just opening the conversation and saying, you know, this, this is what can happen to women as we move through our 40. So at least the word perimenopause will, will have entered into their vocabulary because in 2000, I hadn't heard the word perimenopause prior to I starting researching in 2018 or I, I'd never heard of early menopause. So I was puzzled by the fact that I had not heard of, of these words. or I, I didn't realize there were so many symptoms and different symptoms associated with, with it. So this silence that has kind of shrouded menopause is, is perplexing in many ways, but it's the power of taboo I've discovered. And this is what taboo does. It keeps us quiet. And Brene Brown, in her work on shame and on stigma, it's like a mechanism that can be used to create conformity, Clarissa, is what I've discovered as well. Taboo. Yes, taboo. So we have to conform to the stereotype because that's what society feels comfortable with and not necessarily what's good for us. I mean, she's right. She's one of my favorite authors too, Brene Brown, and her work on shame is so relevant also to women today. Yes, and vulnerability, you know, the power of vulnerability, and I've witnessed that myself in, in the groups that, that I, I work with, the power of vulnerability and how we can get answers to so many questions that we have by, you know, opening up and, and coming into a, a vulnerable space. And, I mean, again, looking at her work on 
women and power and stigma and shame. I mean, uh, and continuing on from what you were saying about, you know, the women in their 50s, 60s and 70s were stepping up and into spaces that formerly were populated by, by men. I mean, though I'm all for equality. I'm, I'm not anti-men in any way, but it's, the, it's what women bring that, that I, I think. It's the richness and the diversity that women bring that would benefit humanity and society even more. So that's why I think it is so important to, again, educate and uh, empower women as we move through these years to say, you know, that there is more we can do, be it at a community level, a local level, a national level, global level. But we, we have an awful lot to contribute and not to underestimate that. I think that's one of the big messages I try to impart to women. I think that's wonderful. And I'm so excited that you've got a book coming out. Tell us more about the book and when it's going to be published. So Clarissa, the book, uh, the title of the book is Midlife Women Rock, a story for a new generation of midlife and menopausal women. And it's going to be published in October. And it deals with the, the, the stages and the symptoms and the the different management pathways that are available to women. It covers the research and it's also got a, a large section on how women can take on and empower themselves around menopause um, in order for them to live their best lives going forward. So there's a lot on the positive side. Again, I'm doing it in an effort to try and you know, take on the stereotype of the menopausal woman which has to be smashed, that, that um, depiction of, you know, hot, sweaty, overweight, you know, and mad or crazy. They're, they're the depictions that are out there and they need to be kind of pushed to one side. Yes, we do get hot and we do get sweaty and we can put on weight, which I did. We, you know, we can actually overcome all of these things with support. We can. We definitely can. With support, I think we can see this as a time of life that has all those symptoms there because they do. And all of us have had them. I had, as many of my listeners know, quite extreme anxiety, but that was as much related to the stress that I was carrying at that time as it was to my hormonal changes. But we come through it. And that's the thing most, if you talk to a big majority, as I know you and I both do, of women who are postmenopausal, they'd be saying, yeah, it was tough, but now I'm out the other side and life can be amazing here and have so much to give. I suppose that's the message we want our listeners to take away is postmenopause is wonderful. And if we can find the right support with working with people like yourself, Brida, then we can come through this transition period. It does not last forever. Completely agree, Clarissa, with that. And I feel as well, you see, they've got the menopause education piece into the SPHE programs in schools. So we, we need to do that. We haven't managed to do that here in Ireland yet, but it's that, that piece, early education, early understanding, and to remove that fear and denial, which is huge. And it's limiting, it's, it's holding women in midlife. It's holding us back in not understanding that, yes, symptoms can be tough, but, you know, here's where you go to get support. And that, that is key. 
I think that we are all holding out for that it's going to be part of everybody's school curriculum. Certainly isn't here in Scandinavia, and it's a long way off in other parts of the world. But we start with small things. We start with the UK taking a bold step, and hopefully other countries will follow. Yeah, and we can do hard things, Teresa. That's um, what's her name, Glennon Doyle. Her, that's one of her big t- taglines, women do hard things. And that's my own life and work experience. And we do hard things and we overcome and we deserve to be supported. I think that's the big message as well. We deserve to understand and be supported as we move through these menopause years because we can thrive, as you and I know, with support and correct understanding of both menopause and ourselves. So important. That's a very, and I think that is a really key point that it's not just understanding your menopause symptoms, it's understanding yourself and how you are reacting or responding to what is going on to your life. And that's where you have the power to meet this time of life differently and change where we are. And the, the, the three secrets, the, the, the radical self-care, the slowing down. This is the, the other one. So many women are so guilty. They feel so guilty. But, you know, I in part, I, I talk about the importance of just giving yourself that space and slow down, you know, um, because we the world has become so, so busy and we're rushing and we're racing and there's competition out there that really doesn't suit the, 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 you know, that's more the masculine paradigm that we're living in. And that slowing down piece for me was huge. It was quite transformative, actually. And that radical self-care piece, uh, when well, I did have a lot of symptoms, helped to reduce them dramatically. So, Yes, such important points there. You know, that, and I think I, I call it stepping off the conveyor belt. You know, we're sort of shooting on going at the same space. And suddenly you're like, no, I actually can't go that fast anymore. And that, that as you say, Breda, that was so transformative for you. I would say it has been for me. And so many of the guests I've had on this show, and so many of the women that we all work with and have worked with, that when you slow down just a little bit. It's not dead stop, but sometimes it is you need to actually stop. Then we feel so much better, don't we? Yes, yes. And women that have had to leave work, they say to me, you know, if I had actually slowed down, maybe if I did take that time out, take a, a month out, take three months out, you know, it would have made a huge difference to I actually having to to leave or, or give up. But it's that little guilt, that guilt that we women carry, I think, more than men um, that we need to get over and realise our health is so important. Indeed. Brenda, I have loved talking to you. I, we could talk all day, actually, <laughs> on, on this. It's our passion point for both of us. I love that. I'm excited for when your book is coming out. And in the meantime, how can listeners get in touch with you and the work that you're doing? My website is midlifewomenrockproject.com and I'm on Instagram and Facebook there and you can email me, um, the, the email is on the, the website and when I come back in September we'll be back doing our cafes over Zoom so women are very entitled to join in um, the monthly cafes where we talk all about menopause and share stories and we have lots of laughs there are tears sometimes but um you know it's also fun 
So it's been lovely, Clarissa, talking to you. It has been lovely. I'm going to put all that information in the show notes so listeners can find it and connect and join in. Join in those those cafes. They sound so necessary, so important. And that they're over Zoom, that makes them accessible to everybody. Breda, thank you for this meeting, this conversation and for the work you do. My pleasure, Clarissa. And thriving through menopause and tri- and beyond. That's that's where we're we're both, I think. That's where we're going and that's where we want other women to come on that journey and suffer with us. Indeed. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you have loved or liked this episode, then I would be deeply grateful if you would head over to iTunes and give it a five-star rating. My mission is to reach as many women as possible, menopausal midlife women who may be feeling alone and asking questions. Why do I feel this way? Thriving Through Menopause is all about a community and our collective wisdom. You matter to me. Your feedback, opinions and stories matter to me and I would love to hear from you so drop me an email clarissa at clarissachristensen.com I genuinely want your feedback and your ideas on the topics that you would like to hear more of on this podcast and if you are a woman who feels that they are struggling alone through menopause and you need more support pop over to my website clarissachristensen.com you can find free resources And you can book a one-to-one discovery call with me. Let's start conversation. Thank you once again for listening. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives for newly appointed agents. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp. That's cbp.gov careers usbp.